Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. Welcome to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Um, we've got a good show for you today, and we're going to talk a little bit about health costs that you face as you get older. Now, unfortunately, as we do get older, you know, I can attest to the fact that my knees get a little sore and there's things I have to take care of. And we've got to talk a little bit about that, what you should be planning for, how you can plan for that, how you can build it into your budget. That'll be an important topic, I think, for many of you listeners. And how do you stay active and fit in your lifestyle as you age? So if you don't want to experience some of these health issues, what can we do to be preventative? And we're going to discuss this with a trainer who started a fitness studio specifically for seniors and the needs of seniors. But right now, let's discuss assisted dying and why talking about end of life with your loved ones is so important. Part of the, uh, the conversation now when we talk about legacy and the healthcare buckets is a conversation around end of life. Um, and we know that legislation in Canada has changed some time ago, but it is, it's a new topic for a lot of people. We're still trying to integrate this into our society and how people feel about it you know, can be, you definitely got both sides of the argument. Have you thought about <clears throat> the whole end of life conversation? Have you put it into your, into your plans? Have you talked to your wife about it? You asking me personally? Yeah. Yeah, we have, we have talked about it. Um, although, you know, I'm of the opinion that it's, uh, this is a difficult topic. Uh, I, I had a recent conversation with somebody who just went through this experience okay. with a friend. Oh, wow. uh, and they're at the end of life decision, and um, certainly the the person who made the end of life decision was very happy about it, um, and they were settled with the idea. But it was unsettling for the people around him, like this person I was talking to. <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, we have in concept, but I think until you're faced with that decision, it's a very difficult one to get your head around. Do you think it would be different <clears throat> how you feel about yourself versus how you feel about your aging mother? Um, I, I, again, I think, um, I, I, well, first of all, you know, mom couldn't make that decision because she has Alzheimer's, but given that she was in a state of mind that she could, uh, it would be a very different experience for me than it would be for her. She, I, I firmly believe if she made that decision, she'd be settled with it. I think it would be very difficult on me. And I think that's probably the hardest <clears throat> part is actually being that person that makes that decision, that call. Yeah. Um, even though a lot of work's done in advance of what uh, what transpires to making that decision and yes the parent is is uh settled with it but i would i, I would feel very different weird oh, yeah. uncomfortable yeah. yeah even having that um that kind of um conversation with the doctors if it was for my father for example right. and we've got we've got a person who's written a book about this type of thing we do uh, the book is called exit it's the last year with my father uh it's been written it's written by a german uh named uli oswald now um, Uli has asked uh, uh, Iris Hunter, who we've got on the show, to, to translate effectively. Um, Iris's English is a little bit better, and she's offered to, to be our translator to help us understand Uli's experience as he describes it in his book. So, Iris, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time with us. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Maybe you, you heard a little bit of our, our setup, and <clears throat> there's lots of questions about this, but maybe we could get right into this. I'd love to know um, uh, a little bit about about Uli's experience uh, and why he chose to write this book. Well, Uli, I, I should tell you, first of all, Uli is Swiss, Swiss-German, um, not, not German. Um, so that makes a bit of a difference in terms of 
legislation, of course. And Ueli had a, grew up in a, in a, in a, in a traditional middle-class Swiss family with a very strong father who was ruling the roost. Um, he was a very strong personality, uh, CEO of big firms, Knorr and Rinier. And then he was mainly known in Swiss, uh, by everybody in Switzerland, practically, as an army reformer. So he was a very strong personality. Orly was one of two brothers. And they were always doing what, you know, the, the, the father was, was the dominant person, although Orly grew up um, and became, you know, lived his own life. But there was, for a long time, there was, there was the, the feeling that the father was, was the strong patriarch. Um, when, and his, his mother had a, his mother was uh, expected to die before, after, after the, sorry, after the, the uh, father, as, as is statistically the case. And when the mother then died um, before in agony of cancer, and the father approached his 90th year, uh, he was, he suddenly, the father suddenly announced that he was thinking of dying as his sister had done, but they did, the family didn't know that, through EXIT, which is a, 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 or an organization that helps people die, as they do the MAID, Canada MAID thing, medically assisted dying. And um, discussions then started very slowly with early standing by his father's side and, and roles reversed in the way they often do with children and, and parents. Ueli was suddenly in a position of helping his father, supporting him, like water going upwards, flow, flowing upwards, when before the father was supporting Ueli when he was a child, you know, through, through decades. Um, and now it was up to Ueli to advise and to, to see that the father was doing, you know, was being helped in his difficult situation. Fortunately, the fact there was, there were other people in the family also who, uh, who were involved in the discussions. And, uh, I think one of the main, uh, one of the main arguments that Ueli would say is, what he wanted to do with the book was mm, uh, encourage people to talk about death and dying, not to treat it as a taboo, as so many Western societies do, not to leave it until you're faced with it, but just talk about death and dying as we all do about birth and being born, as something natural. And the earlier you start, the more, the easier it gets, really. And involves. If I can just jump in, I, that would be. A, I think you've made a very, very good point there through uh, Uli's experience about talking about it. I am curious, and, and you made a very good distinction. It's Swiss German, so Swiss legislation. But I am curious about the different legislations around the world, how it sort of compares to Canada. If you're able to comment on that. Yes, I have found a very good website with a, an amazing uh, table produced by the British Medical Association. 
the Brits um, uh, to to tell people where and they give they give you statistics of where it's it's allowed whether the doctors whether you can do it when you are whether you can um, apply to to go to one of those organizations when you have dementia um, or not whether it has to be applied at the same time how many doctors have to be involved and um, for example in Switzerland it, it's fairly free you can you know you, you you have to be enrolled with one of those organizations and you get to know them um, and so and, and it's you know people will guide you through um, there is one organization in Switzerland which is called Dignitas which is very famous in, in in England, for example, because they allow foreigners to to go and 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 avail yourself of their their services, the Swiss usually don't go there um, because it because places like Exit is they'll come to your house. It's much more much less like a, a factory run uh, organization. So you have you have Switzerland. There's Oregon, of course, which is on, on that table, where which is fairly liberal, or very liberal. Um, then you have the Netherlands, where, again, that's, that's quite liberal. Um, Belgium, as well, question of whether, you, whether children are allowed to, to be treated like that or not. Um, and then you have, yes, you have Canada. You know about MATE, which has just... Um, recently been upgraded in in in, in law um, you know the the thing is in the whole world western world in any case in most countries there are discussions and campaigns and the camp and the, and the uh, societies and the associations they talk to each other in England at the moment it is not allowed to help somebody kill somebody I mean to, to help somebody to, to to do suicide like that, or that's what they call it, um, assisted dying. But the House of Lords is, is very much discussing it, and Baroness Meacher is 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 pushing for the legislation to be introduced. That in England too, you can um, have assisted dying. What happens at the moment is people have to go to Zurich to the Dignitas Clinic. And of course, they have to go early enough that they can they can do it themselves. So if somebody is quadriplegic, for example, and cannot um, organize the the traveling and everything else by themselves, they run the risk that they get arrested on the way back with the ashes of the of the dead person. Iris, this is a, this is this is a big topic. I know. Unfortunately, we're running short on time. I think that what we wanted to do at this point is to raise the, the awareness of the topic because this is going to be a conversation I believe in Canada is going to continue to evolve and obviously in many places around the world. So I want to thank you very much for taking some time with us today and, and please pass along our best to Uli Oswald, the author of Exit the Last Year with My Father, for writing a book on his experience. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Healthcare costs. Uh, and healthcare itself is a big topic of conversation for people when they retire. Yeah, so let's point, let's paint the picture a bit here, Dave. You're approaching retirement. Um, you're you're been accustomed to your benefits at work. Yep. Um, you may be 65 years of age, and you get this 
Blue Cross package from the Alberta government that covers some minimal amount. And you're like, oh, oh I, I'm accustomed to going to the dent for dental work. I'm accustomed to going to get prescription or medical needs and so forth. And, you know, how much is it going to cost? Is this the best plan? Where do I go? What do right. I do? Now, fortunately, part of our practice uh, with our clients is to kind of go through all the options that are out there in the market. But one group that continually comes yep. up yep. as an option to look at is uh, Alberta Blue Cross right. and, they're, and what they're available here. So let's bring on our, our next guest talking about some of the individual products that are out there. Yeah, we've got Nirmal Singh, who's uh, Vice President of Individual Products at Alberta Blue Cross joining us. Nirmal, thank you very much for taking some time with us. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about, um, about this transition away from a corporate benefit plan into retirement. There's a lot of confusion around this. And maybe you can just start with uh, just educating us generally about what people need to know as they're leaving the workforce pre-65 and say after 65, and then we can sort of get into what coverages are available. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I can tell you, uh, this is very common. We deal with this every day. I feel like, you know, as everyday Albertans, we're concentrating on what we need to do from a work perspective, our basic jobs, and we get used to benefits that we have at work, but we don't really understand them. And we're not benefit experts uh, at our employment. Uh, companies, so we just do our jobs and we'll figure out benefits when we need to. So I can tell you typically a lot of people are confused. They don't know what's available, what steps they should take, and what timelines they should be looking at. So my advice is really get prepared and I feel like most employees really know to the penny what their financial situation is going to look like in terms of the various pension options, whether it's a pension plan through work or CPP, uh, whatever that looks like. But when it comes to the world of benefits, they don't know a lot. So my first ask would be, please make sure you give yourself enough time. And I would say, if you're thinking about retiring, uh, give yourself at least six to nine months to start researching what your options are. Understand, first and foremost, what you have with your employer. Because you might not know what you uh, have with your employer. So that'll give you an idea of what you might need in the future. Um, so understand what your employer has. And then I would also say, start looking at what you're spending for yourself with your employee benefits. That'll give you an idea of what your costs should look like as you approach retirement. Um, and then the other thing I should tell you is a lot of people get caught out in the window. Typically, when you leave your uh, employer plan, you only have upwards to about 30 to 60 days to make a decision about per purchasing a personal benefit plan. You miss that window, then typically some of the options won't be on the table and you may have certain benefits that you have to access after a period of waiting periods that might be applied. So when you look at the costs that are, are being incurred by retirees um, to kind of top themselves <clears throat> up above the basic uh, Blue Cross plan that they get uh, after the age of 65, what are some of the costs that retirees will face when it comes to either premiums or things they need to be aware of if they do not take additional coverage? Yeah, so great question. So obviously this varies based on each individual and their health. But generally speaking, the average age of retirement for Canadians is age 65. Uh, also, 75% of Albertans age 65 or over can expect to have some type of chronic health condition. And loosely put, a chronic health condition is something that you're going to need ongoing care for. And three of the most common uh, chronic health conditions include heart disease, mental illness, and diabetes. So when you're talking about costs, back to making sure you've done your research on your employer plan, say how much does 
uh, Pfizer spend or Dave spend in the last year for my personal cost. But typical costs you have to start budgeting for are prescriptions, uh, which I would say are typically in excess of $100 a month. You'll need some type of basic dental care. Uh, and even the basic dental in Alberta for a checkup and cleaning will range anywhere in the range of three to $400 uh, for that one visit. And then you'll have to look at certain things that you might be used to, such as physiotherapy, chiropractor, massage, acupuncture, and vision care. So it's not uncommon for the average Canadian, 65 years of age or older, to expect to budget approximately $2,000 or more every year for your basic type of needs. And that would include supplementing the uh, coverage for seniors that's available uh, for Albertans uh, uh, today. Normal, how competitive <clears throat> is the marketplace for to get insurance coverage for people age 65 and above, let's say, let's start there. Uh, and the reason why I ask this question is because when you're doing that research that you recommended six, nine months, they're going out and they're getting quotes from different insurance companies, your company included, uh, mm -hmm. on what the premiums would be. And they're trying to compare and contrast because every insurance plan has different bells and whistles or features and benefits. And they're trying to compare the two. When you look at what the overall um, um, competition is like, how close are our companies or are they, are, they, are they far apart when it comes to what they offer from, from a coverage or protection? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm going to tell you that the majority of uh, companies that offer a retiree benefit plan, which will typically include core services for prescriptions, dental, vision, and extended health benefits, and they should have a travel benefit embedded uh, like Alberta Blue Cross does, because a lot of retirees typically are going to do some type of traveling as well. So I would say from a pricing and a benefits perspective, we're more more similar than different. I feel that what uh, potential customers should focus on is making sure there's a good fit for the, the individual and their needs. So as you get older, your needs are going to change, your budget might change. So I would say you start looking at the intangibles, i.e., can I make changes to this retiree plan as I get older, as my needs change? So you want to make sure that there's flexibility and change uh, options within your plan so you can maybe increase coverage as you need it, and you can decrease coverage as you need it. And then I'd also make sure you focus on when you're looking at placing your business uh, with a carrier for retiree benefits, you do your research in regards to once I'm a customer there, what is the technology like? What is the service like in regards to me being able to talk to somebody, being able to submit claims? Is it going to be all paper or are they going to be able to submit them electronically? Do they have an app I can use? I can tell you the senior today of uh, 65 is very different than 20 years ago. They're very comfortable with technology. Uh, so you need to make sure that there's a mix of technology and the high touch perspective. So I'll give you an example. If you want to do research, you should be able to go online and do research for everything that you need in terms of what does the plan cover? What does it cost? Can I build my specific plan the way I need it to? But you also want to make sure that there's the option that if I want to pick up the phone to talk to somebody, to actually have a conversation about some of the questions that I have, both prior to purchasing and also that same type of support after I purchase, when it comes down to claim time, when I also need other assistance in regards to making changes to my plan. So you want to factor all of that in as well. 
Nirmal, if somebody's interested in getting a hold of Blue Cross and exploring this, how best do they do that? So, great question again. Uh, there's two options. The old-fashioned way is pick up the phone. Uh, you can call us toll-free, 1-800-394-1965. Any one of our uh, team members will be happy to assist you to guide you through the healthcare system, answer your questions, and help you make some decisions that are best fit, best fit for you. The other option is just go to our website. Uh, everything that I talked about is on our website, and there's actually a retirement guide that goes in detail about all of the things that you should consider and the best resources uh, that are available to you, including what's available to the provincial government. It also allows you to start building a plan, pricing a plan, and if you decide you're comfortable, you can purchase a plan all online in a matter of seconds. And you did ask about costs of a plan. I can tell you as a 65-year-old, a uh, single individual, you can expect to pay anywhere from $110 a month for a full retiree plan uh, and up, depending on how much coverage you want. So that $110 could increase to $170, depending on which plan you build for yourself. Uh, and once again, like I said, it's really about the core benefits, prescription, dental, vision, uh, embedded travel benefits, and also health benefits that are important to you, whether it's vision, massage, uh, acupuncture, the whole works. Normal, thank you very much for taking some time with us today. I appreciate you shedding some light on what is a very confusing and sometimes a scary topic. So thank you for your time. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, having me on your show today. We have a very interesting topic to discuss. Let's talk about fitness. Rob, you and I are in different phases in our lives. Mm -hmm. Our clients are in a different phase in their life. And let's kind of paint the picture here. There's yourself with two younger children very active, you're right. running around chasing them, you're happy that they can walk, but now you're upset that they're running. <laughs> you bet. And so you're chasing them. The amount of time that you get to have to get to work out and be physically fit for your own well-being has been less now than it was before you had children. Fair Absolutely, enough? yeah. Fast forward to where I'm at, my children are a little bit older, getting closer to leaving the nest, I have more time. But I talk to a lot of our clients who are empty nesters and things haven't changed to when they were my age. It's the same amount of frequency. And so the difference in the amount of time that they're using to work out or become aware that they're physically uh, active is, hasn't changed. So I'm, the curiosity I have is when, when we say that healthcare is one of the biggest issues that we have, when do we get into more of a viewpoint that physical fitness is a priority? Absolutely. Right? You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, this yeah. Is, so this is gonna be interesting. So I wanted to bring in a guest to talk about something that's very cool. We have uncovered, I think, a gem in this country. And this gem is a business that focuses on training for the 50 plus crowd. Fitness, working out, and, and everything that goes on with that demographic, which is completely different than in your age category or my age category or Dave Popovich's age category. Like they're all, they're all different, right? And so we need to kind of focus on this group because this is where a lot of the biggest concerns for health come up. Right. And so there's no one better to talk about this. And the newest gem in the country, I think, Aaron Bilowitz is the founder and personal trainer of Vintage Fitness. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we, we've kind of teed you up about this gem of the business. Let's start off with what is Vintage Fitness? Sure. So Vintage Fitness has been around for 17 years. And we specialize in fitness for people over 50, although most of our clients are seniors. So most of our clients are between 65, and I think our eldest client right now is 93. 
And we really focus a lot on, you know, what is your body not letting you do? And what, how can we train your body to get you to be able to do all the activities that you love? So for some of our younger clients, they want to travel. So we think, okay, well, you know, if you want to travel, you need to be able to climb these stairs. You need, need to be able to walk on uneven ground. You need to be able to get onto a boat, you know, whatever that is. And then for some of our older clients, it's, I want to stay in my home. I want to stay independent. I want to stay connected with the world. And, uh, and so we focus on their goals, a lot of functional kind of strength work. What made you decide to start a business focused on this demographic? So for me, and again, 17 years ago, it was a number of things. One is I was training some younger clients and in their 20s and 30s, and their, their goals were more about what their body looked like. Um, so they would say things like, I don't want my thighs to rub together on the beach. And, and that's fine to have that as a goal. I just didn't find that super motivating for me as a trainer. And when I started to work with older clients and they'd say, oh, I just, I'm in such pain in my knee and my hip and it's making it so that I can't, um, you know, go and do all the things that I want to do to get clients to those kind of goals, I found really personally motivating. So that was the reason I started it. And that the practicalities, I had two young kids at the time. And if I was training you, it might be six in the morning or six at night. But if I'm training people that are retired, I could train them at 10 in the morning. So there was some practical reasons I started it as well. Knee and hip pain. That sounds like my morning already. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about this too. Because it's uh, the you brought up something that was interesting, Aaron. You said uh, functional fitness, right? And I, I'm probably there right now too, where I'm going. I can just get in enough workouts to feel like I can actively get my kids to the car without pulling a hamstring. There you go. Right? There so, you go. <laughs> so I think it is very uh, interesting on the demographic. Um, can you give us a sense on why it's so important for people to incorporate fitness into their lifestyle as they age? It is, it is a really almost a panacea. There, there's like so many benefits and so few detriments. So it will improve your mental health. And we're doing a lot of work with just mental health in terms of how you feel and how up you feel, as well as your brain health. So there's a lot of those benefits tons and tons of physical benefits that we all know. So your heart health, um, your bone density, your posture, um, the ability to move, do your everyday activities, lift groceries, lift kids, live your life, um, and your stamina, your lung capacity, um, prevention of every disease that you can think about, right? Cancer, heart disease, um, chronic um, disease, and dementia, it helps to increase the blood flow to the brain. I mean, I can just keep going on and on. It helps with weight management, stress management. Um, so it's, it's so important and the impact can be uh, tremendous. It's just what I say when people retire and they say, oh, well, I'm exercising once a week. I check that box. Think of it like a part-time job. Like now your part-time job is your health and fitness. Like that's the amount. Health Canada says 150 minutes a week for people over 65. So I get people to do the math. You know, this is the more than money show. It's like, okay, well, let's, if this is the investment in your health, what's your 150 minutes of activity? And let's map that out over the week. Aaron, earlier, Rob and I were talking about the different phases in people's lives. Rob has younger children, so they... Uh, the ability to do 150 minutes in a week become more challenging. 
as you have older children like I do, they're almost ready to leave the nest. I have more time, so I've I've gotten into that that uh, that rhythm that I can do the 150 minutes. But I find that at some point, and I'm talking to our clients or talking to people that watch and listen to the show, um, it doesn't change. So if you're not doing 150 prior, you're probably not going to do 150 when you retire. And so how does how do you find people change their motivation or what is it that gets people from not doing 150 minutes in a week to start doing that or from getting off their couch and getting into the gym? Like, what's that switch that can help them change? Because I find, based on surveys, some of the research that you've shared with us about, you know, one in five only actually meet those goals at this point in time uh, at that age demographic. So what, what, what is the, what's the catalyst to make that big impact to change? Different catalysts for different people. Unfortunately, for, for some, it's um, something's happens in their life that they, they realize, like I talked to a woman this morning and she's like, I, I can't lift my groceries out of the back of my car anymore. And for her, that was a fear, a scary because she thinks I live alone and, and my husband's not well. I, I need to be able to lift the groceries. So all of a sudden the value of exercise goes up because the impact, you can't live your day-to-day life the way that you want to live your day-to-day life. Um, so sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's a scare from, from the doctor. We, we get a lot of people that get, they've been to the doctor and the doctor says you need to exercise more. And they think, well, what does that mean? Like what exercise, what's safe? How much should I be doing? Am I doing it right? And they need someone to help them with accountability. They need someone to show them the right exercises to be doing and to make sure they're doing them correctly so that they're not going to injure themselves. Um, the other thing that often happens, it's an adult child. And we have this a lot where the adult child is calling because they're concerned about their, their older parents. Mm. And they kind of spur mm. them and, and encourage them to, to get moving a bit more. That's a good point. Um, like, you know, we have obviously aging parents. I, I would ask you this question too, Aaron. What, what would you tell clients or, or older generation in your demographic that you're looking for, the older over 50, and how to go from, say, doing some certain things at home to maybe going to a gym where they're getting, you know, better instruction on proper lifting techniques and all that? So uh, the transition between home home kind of gym work to, to working. So we, we work in people's homes, and there's so many amazing gyms, but for us, we go, we're mobile trainers, so we go to their home right. and we work with them there. But for somebody going to their community center, um, the, the mistake that I, I see a lot in gyms is that people are worried about the equipment and they don't understand it at the weight training equipment. And so they go to the treadmill or they go to the stationary bike if they have bad knees and they put it on the lowest setting and they and they run through and, and that's their gym experience. And there's a lot of benefits to that. You're going to get good blood flow. You're going to get improve your stamina. But what most seniors need to be doing is strength training. So my advice is take the free gym tour, get someone to show you how to use the equipment, be comfortable working with with the weights. If you're uncomfortable because it's um, younger people lifting heavy weights, ask them at the front desk, when is a good time, you know, for when are older people in here? And, uh, and just make yourself, try to get yourself a little bit more comfortable, but try not to just go to the treadmill, put it on the same speed, for the same the same way every day and think why am why aren't things changing because you're not really changing your exercise routine you're keeping it exactly the same every day weight train is is really important um, for for everybody but for seniors especially 
There is so much we can talk about this topic. Unfortunately, we have to pay some bills and go to a commercial break. Um, but Aaron, I want to thank you for joining us today. I think what you have to share is great. If people want to know more about you, your business, maybe even how to connect with you, how do they find you? The website is just vintagefitness.ca. So that's probably a good place to start. Play money, and what I mean by that, so let me define it for our listeners and viewers today, is people putting some money aside so they can play in the stock market. Right. So they can trade or invest on the things that they want to do that may not be part of their serious money or their serious investments that are designed for their retirement. So the question that always comes up is, how much money can I put aside to play with? And once I do that, what the heck do I do with that money? How do, mm -hmm. what, what's my strategy? Um, is it literally casino money? Do I go and just pick a couple of names because <laughs> I, I heard it at the Tim Hortons, you know my Tim Hortons theory. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Tim Hortons is one of the best places to find out rumors of stocks to buy. People will sit down at a table, they'll have their coffee, their donut, they'll start talking about stocks, and you will hear them at the table next door next to you, and that's your next pick, the of, pick your of the day. That's right. And how many phone calls do we get for that, those ones? The Tim Hortons picks is what I call them. So there's, you know, how much money do you put aside? What do you, what do you invest into? What do you trade in? Or what do you, you know, have fun with? Um, these are questions and concerns. And you had a recent story mm -hmm. of a client that you said, you know what, take this account and go do it yourself. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, managing a whole portfolio yep. right, for the couple. Um, and the individual, she, she had some stocks that were dear to her and that she liked to own and trade in a specific sector on the U.S. side. A little bit more volatile, didn't fit in with our current program or yep. platform. Um, and so I said, listen, if, you, if you're still in, engaged in these and still want to hold them right, and still want to do some analysis or, or you know, look into them and do a little bit of trading, and if it's not on ours, why don't we take that off and, and go back to a do-it-yourself platform, which there's many of, right? Cheap trading platforms yep. that banks are outside of that, and to be able to do that. But the question came, are you okay with still taking on some of that risk in what you're doing? This is about 10% of the family's savings that they, uh, they've earmarked for retirement. That's correct. Right? So that's the first question. Is 10% enough? Is it the right amount, the right percentage? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I think it comes with more conversation on what that money is actually going to be used for. Right? And in this situation, it came down to there was a lot more pension money to provide for their lifestyle. Gotcha. Right? So this money was looking towards more of the other buckets that we talk about. Yep. Right? On legacy and health. Yep. So then that was the conversation on, okay, is there risk to your health or legacy bucket? Yeah. Because current expenses were covered. Yep. They weren't worried about that. Yeah. So in the conversation, yes, they felt it was okay. Yep. And they didn't need it specifically for legacy. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think what you're, what you're basically saying is pretty much what the solution to that, the, the number one question for people who want to have a little bit of play money is how much. Mm -hmm. And this is a process that you need to kind of calculate for. There are four major areas, we call them buckets, mm -hmm. that people need to focus on as they go through retirement. Number one, income or cash flow. How are you going to have your day-to-day -day life expenses covered? In, in this example with, with uh, the client, 
uh, it was primarily pension money from the company they were working at, CPP, old age security. So a lot of their cash flow needs was already protected. Guaranteed. Matt. So they've got that yeah. guaranteed income. Very little do they need on top of that for travel or anything additional. Then we look at the, the growth bucket to replenish that income bucket. As long as you've got that covered, you're good there. The third bucket is healthcare. Is actually doing a health plan to see, you know, what are some of the costs that if you decide to age at home or in a long-term care facility, what are the costs? And do you have the right amount of capital to pay for that mm-hmm. from all of your wealth? And then comes the legacy. Now, legacy is passing on assets or a gift to the next generation. And how much do you want to give there? Is it whatever's left over or is there a certain amount or are you trying to you know, re, um, complete a, a vision towards a cause that you want to help? Whatever that, whatever that vision on your legacy is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too because I've seen it before too where play money may, may become a charitable giving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if there is a gain, right, then the then charity pass gets the, the benefit. There you go. So that's, that's an interesting piece as well. So you, you're trying to look at all these four buckets. Once you've got those four buckets covered, with the one caveat that you're reviewing tax on a regular basis so you're not paying too much. Right. Whatever's left over, that's called never money. You're never going to need it. Introduction of play at that level, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whatever percentage of your savings that is, you can go up to that percentage. So in this example, if it's 10% of their entire savings is sufficient and it'll meet, uh, the, all the other goals will be reached based on what they're saving on 90% of their savings, 10% of their savings can be used to play, done, no problem. In fact, I encourage it. I encourage investors uh, who, are, who are investing through a money manager to also have a side account if they have never money, they'll never need it. And if they want to. And if they want to, yeah. They've right. got to be engaged and wanting to do You that. want to have fun. You don't need yeah. to be up at 3 a.m., right? Doing the research. That's Doing a good research. question. How do you find, like, you know, when people are buying their own investments, their own do-it-yourself accounts, where do they get their research from? Mm-hmm. How well, we mentioned one, right? Tim Hortons is the first place. Tim Hortons, and, and again, but, it's not Tim Hortons. It's Coffee Shop Talk. Like, so I'm not going to, poor Tim Hortons is going to give me an email saying, how dare you? <laughs> um, but but it's, it's Coffee Talk Shop, right? right. Like it's, let's, it's, let's just have a conversation with a bunch of people, and then you either overhear it, stuff like that. But there's, right? t- there's, there's, there's meme stocks, right? There's the flavor of the day Social online. Social media online, right? yeah, yeah. There is, uh, it, well, what, what are we looking for, too? It's not just the stocks. So I'll throw that question back to you. If it's okay. not just stocks, what is play money when you say that? Are we talking about just stock investing? no. I say you can play with anything. Mm. So it's, it's let's go to the casino and play with it. Literally, go to the casino. You know I like playing craps. Yep. That's my never money. I'll never need it. So if I lose it all, whatever. If I make it all, I double my money, whatever. Let's just play money. There's cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. There is artwork. Yep. There's coin collections. There's stocks. There's a whole bunch of Things you can in- invest, quote real unquote, estate. real estate, yep. businesses. All that can be with your never money. You'll never need it. You might as well do something that you're going to be engaged in doing. Mm. And I think that's the key thing you're going to be engaged in. A lot of the people that talk to us about this are investing in the stock market. Right. And, and some of them, quite a few of them that we talk to, our clients and, and people that listen to the show, are 
buying newsletters or just getting the free sample of a newsletter. You got. They're it. not even paying for the subscription. <laughs> you got it. And they're they're buying and selling stocks. What are you What are your thoughts about about newsletters and using that to buy and sell stocks for your play money? I, it, it, sometimes it takes the play out of it. In my mind, yeah. Right. If you're if you're going on someone else's idea, then you're subscribing to specifically their thesis of investment. Yep. Which may be um, a niche of investment, right? Yep. That that might be fine, but. Whoever is doing that newsletter is also owning that idea. Yeah. Right. So it takes that piece out of out of investing. And where are the, oh, those ideas come from, and what kind of risk can those people that are developing those newsletters take? It's probably a heck of a lot different without knowing who is actually investing through their newsletter. What I find interesting about newsletters or online chat portals or anywhere where you subscribe, either literally with money or by giving your information. Um, the only way they actually make money is if you're paying for it or you give them your name so they can solicit your name to other companies. Mm-hmm. They do not get paid for being right or wrong. You bet. <laughs> right? They do not get paid if you believe them or not. They only get paid if you pay for the information and that's it. Yep. Which is a very interesting model. So what's in it for them should be a thing that... And, and that's when anybody picks up an investment. You buy ABC stock. Where did you get your information from? If it's, I heard it at a coffee shop, well, think about where you're getting your information from. If you're getting it from a meme or a social media, you know, you're, you're, you're going through your feed and, oh, mm-hmm. that's a good stock to buy. TikTok is now giving a lot of uh, uh, stock picks out there. Read you know, it. People who've never even seen a recession in their life are giving out stock picks on TikTok. And you're going to go, that's the person I'm going to believe and invest my, my money with. While they dance. While they dance, yeah. That's, <laughs> usually I'm the one that's dancing on that. <laughs> or you buy a newsletter, Rob, and you go and you know what the benefit or what's the incentive for that newsletter. Nowhere have I heard in the play area where people are doing a financial analysis of the company. Yep. Yeah. I want to buy ABC stock, Faisal, in my play account. What do you think? I go, what's, what's the company about? Well, I don't know. What's the financials? What's their EBITDA? Well, how much multiple are you paying? What's their debt to equity ratio? I don't know. Their whim picks. Their whim picks. Yeah. So the play money is whim. It's casino. Unless you want to make it into an art form. And then when you pick out a piece of artwork as your, with your play money... You're going to spend a lot more time figuring out which piece of artwork than you are going to pick a stock. You bet. It's very interesting. And so the advice that we would give for people who have play money is, is this literally play money that you can lose at all? If the answer is yes, go at it. If the answer is no, we cannot lose at all, then there has to be some, some sort of research behind it. And that's important. Don't you think? 100%. Now, there's research, there's data, there's a proven way of success to bulletproof your retirement. I want to thank you for joining us on another show of More Than Money on 770 CHQR from Rob and Faisal. Have a great weekend. 
David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.